please stand with us for the reading of God's word this morning? We are concluding our sermon series of what's love got to do with it. I think somebody needs to sing that for us real quick. No takers, I'll do it. What's love got to do, got to do? Okay. Everything, that's right, that's right. But we're going to start off in Acts chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. And the title of today's message is Share the Love. Somebody say, Share the Love. Share the love. Let me paint a backdrop before we just go ahead and read the scripture of what's going on. Long story short, what has just happened is Jesus had been crucified, been buried, rose again from the dead. And he was around on earth for a while, and then he left and told his disciples to wait for the promised, the promised one, and that's the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what happened is 120 met in a room, and there was probably a lot of crying going on because they're still weeping and mourning the, the departure of their Savior. And then there's some probably sharing testimonies of what uh, the amazing things that Jesus did, and then there's some that's just praying and interceding and a lot of stuff going on and then the the power of the holy spirit fills the room and pentecost happens and then we know that right after that they go out and preach the gospel and in one day verse 41 acts chapter 2 says that three thousand people gave their life to christ in one day and they went from 120 people meeting in a room to 3,000 in one day they went from mourning the loss of Jesus to being filled with the promise of the Holy Spirit to reaching 3,000 people then to baptizing them in the Jerusalem pools imagine the electric excitement of that day the promise was being fulfilled I think about 3,000 people just giving their life to Christ And God was adding to them daily more people being saved. That's where we start Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked... For help. He asked for help. And Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. So the man turned to them and expecting to get something from them. In verse 6, but Peter said, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, He raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, and started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe. They were filled with astonishment at what had happened to him. And while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people greatly amazed ran toward them in what was called Solomon's colonnade in verse 12 when Peter saw this he addressed the people let's pray this morning father you are good and we thank you for your son Jesus thank you that we have the freedom and the liberty to 
worship you and know you in this country. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. And thank you for the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit to consume us. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And I thank you for every person that is here today that we're able to hear your word and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, over the next few moments, I ask that you would help me to speak your word and what you desire to say to us. And God, let it forever change us. Let it forever change our church. Let it forever change our families. And let it forever change our lives. Let us do more for the gospel of Jesus Christ than we've ever done in our lives. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It must have been tempting for some in the early church to try to preserve and, and linger in their Acts 2 experience, to, to cultivate an arrogant club-like atmosphere and perhaps unknowingly smother the Spirit's fire with exclusiveness. But thankfully, they did not do that. What they experienced under the Spirit's reign was so explosive, it was so expansive, that they just had to get going. Somebody shout, share the love. You know, have you ever watched a show called Biggest Loser? See, these shows can be motivating or they can be depressing, depending on what you're eating at the moment. And if you're like me, if you're like me at all, you know, you, you watch this show like Biggest Loser and you, and you watch these people drop, you know, they'll go one week, seven days, and one guy, I think this past season, dropped like 30-something pounds in one week. I'm thinking, what are you, that's not possible. Like, where are you, what are you doing? You know, we rejoice if we lose like half an ounce. We're like, woo You know, and they give all these motivational speeches on this show, and they, they show you the before and the after, and you're usually pretty motivated. Like, you know what? I, I want to do this. I want to drop about 30 pounds. I want to drop about 15 pounds. And then you look down, and he goes, right after I finish this bag of chips, and I can start tomorrow. <laughs> so that, that's, that's a dieter's best statement right there. I'll start tomorrow. But usually you're pretty motivated. You know, I had, I had a, an experience, something that I'm motivated about is I, I like to be able to help those who serve our country. I like to bless them. If, if I know somebody is in service and I see them at a restaurant, I see them at a gas station, I will more than likely try to go over there and pay for their meal, pay for their gas. Um, I think it's something we should all do because I'm so thankful for those who fight for our country so that we're able to be here today. Amen. <clears throat> and so I, I had, I'm motivated to do that. I, I think that's something we should do. I, I thank God every day for our servicemen. And so I pulled up into Weigel's uh, this past week, and there was a young man. He, he, he couldn't have been, he was young, okay? And he had his full uh, gear on, and he was in an older truck, and, and he went and was walking inside. And I said, Jocelyn Judah, we're going to buy this guy's gas today. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, you know? And, and so he walked inside, and he's pulling out of his, his, pocket, his wallet out of his pocket, and he's, he's trying to find some cash. And he, I can see a 20 and a 5, and I, and I jumped in line. I said, I'm going to get his gas today. And he went, no, don't do that, man. I said, I said absolutely. I said, all, for all that you do for our country, I, I'm going to get your gas today. And the lady's like, you know, she's like, my car is over, over there. And he goes, well, I was going to get 25, but I'll just do 10. I said, are you kidding me? I said, no, man. I said, 
give, give him $25 of gas. And he was just dumbfounded. He's like, are you serious right now? And I said, yeah, man. I said, I just want you to know that you have people in this town and your family. We're praying for you. And we're believing that God's going to keep you safe. And we want you to know that we support you and thank you for all that you do. And he was just like, thank you so much. And he walked away. And again, I turned around. And the lady was like, <laughs> you know. And I went, cool, like that. And I, and I, we, every Friday is Icy Day in our family. And so on Fridays, we go and get a Coke Icy at Weigel's. And so I came back to the counter. <laughs> I, put, I put the two little little cups, kid cups up there with with uh, Mountain Dew filled up in them. Thank God for sugar. And so, and she, uh, she said, oh, don't worry about it. I said, I can have these? She said, yeah. She goes, it's not every day that you see somebody do something like that. She said, thank you so much for doing that. And I went, sweet, you know. <laughs> and uh, Jocelyn and Judah, see, what was so cool about that moment? No, no, the price is nowhere in comparison. But what an opportunity to share when you give what happens? And Jocelyn and Judah were like, we got these ices for free. I'm like, you better know it, I'll fifty of it too. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, but it was a good teaching moment. <laughs> but I, I was motivated to do that. And that leads us to our first point this morning. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, please write this down or highlight in your Bible, whatever you need to do. Loving the world requires motivation. Loving the world requires motivation. You see, in verses 1 through 3, it says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. You know, we read this scripture, and we think about the miraculous healing of this man, but it's just as important to remember that he was not the only one in in, in need at this moment. There were other beggars, sick people, and many others that would come out that day to the temple complex and would ask people for help. We are just told about the one. It's through this one example that we can learn so much on how to reach the others. Loving the world requires motivation. Our motives for loving people must rise higher than Luke chapter 6 verses 32 through 33 when it says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners do that. You see, Peter and John could have easily looked the other way and just felt sorry for the guy. Well, I'm not up here today. What I'm not doing is, 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 is telling you that you need to uh, stop at every person you see on the street and rescue them from their situation unless you feel compelled to do so. That's not what I'm saying because I think you've got to be very careful sometimes in those situations. That's not what we're here to talk about. But the reason why Peter and John stopped to rock this guy's world is because they were motivated to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ with him. If they were not motivated, it would have never happened. If they were not motivated to do something, it would have never happened. This beggar had just uh, learned to accept his disability and thought that some money would fix his problems. But Peter and John had something even better. And because of what they experienced with Jesus and them receiving the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, they were motivated to change the world. I'm not saying that motivation is everything, but it sure is close. This is where reaching people for Christ starts. We must ask ourselves, why do I want to reach people? Your response to that question is everything. Our culture tells us to set goals and to reach those goals, but it never asks why. In God's kingdom, 
He requires the why to be answered. A.W. Tozer said this, The test by which all conduct must finally be judged is motive. As water cannot rise higher than its source, so the moral quality in an act can never be higher than the motive that inspires it. Ultimately, our motivation for saving and restoring human lives determines our ability to do so. Our motivation for saving and restoring human lives determines our ability to do so. Our motivation can establish our level of lasting influence. Jesus was motivated by a true and genuine love for each individual. Therefore, his ability to reach people and leave lasting change was extraordinary. There's a beautiful passage of scripture. If you've never read it, you need to read it. Don't turn there, but in John chapter 8, you can read it later. Just take me at my word for it. I promise it's in there. In verses 1 through 11, you find a beautiful story of God's grace and his mercy and his love. In this passage of scripture, Jesus is uh, going to the temple. He's at the temple complex, and he's teaching some leaders, and he's teaching some Pharisees. And during this time, these Pharisees bring a lady, and they throw her in the center of all these people. And they say, okay, Jesus... This lady right here has been caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says that we're supposed to stone such a woman. What do you say? And Jesus knew it was a trap. And so what Jesus did was pretty cool. I mean, he just got down in the sand and he just started writing some things. Now, we can debate all day long on what he was writing. That's not what we're talking about today. And then he stood up and he said, okay, those of you with no sin... Throw the first stone. The Bible says that he went back down, started writing the sand again, and then it says that one by one they begin to drop their stones and leave. Until eventually Jesus looked up and said, Woman, are there not any to condemn you? And she said, No, Lord, no one. And Jesus says, Well, I definitely don't condemn you. So go and sin no more. What a beautiful story, the way Jesus impacted her life on a personal level. The way that he impacted somebody's life for change was extraordinary. Without a doubt, if we lack pure love as our motivation, God will supply it if we will humble ourselves and read his word and pray. And as you study his word and you spend time in prayer, you will get to know all about Jesus. Can I get an amen? And that leads us to our second point today. Loving the world requires knowing Jesus. Loving the world requires knowing Jesus. Now let me, let me refresh our memory. In verses 4 through 8 it says, Peter along with John looked at him intently and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he, stood, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Another reason that Peter and John were so easily able to reach out to this man was because they knew Jesus. They experienced Jesus turning water into wine. They experienced Jesus opening the blinded eyes. They experienced Jesus healing mangled arms and hands. They experienced Jesus opening uh, deaf ears. And they experienced Jesus raising people from the dead and casting out demons from people and being beaten and and crucified and, and buried and experienced Jesus being raised from the dead. They experienced Jesus telling them 
understand that they would do even greater things than what he did. They experienced Jesus. They knew Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate example. He is our ultimate example of living the call to people. Throughout Christ's ministry on earth, there is one simple phrase that could sum up his heart toward people. He was moved with compassion. Jesus is compassion. I've got about three people that are amening me this morning. And I need a lot more than that. In Mark chapter 1, we find the story in which Jesus demonstrates true compassion for us. Jesus was walking and talking with his disciples when a man afflicted with leprosy fell to his knees in front of Jesus and begged him to help. It's found in verses 40 through 42. He falls at the feet of Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, if I'm willing. And he reached out. He touched the man. And he spoke to him. And he was healed. I believe Jesus used this opportunity to instruct his disciples and us by demonstrating how we should respond to the challenge of exercising compassion for people. Because Jesus is compassion. As we look at this story, we must recognize what a leper represented uh, to society in Jesus' day. Lepers were afflicted with a disease that literally rotted away their flesh and their body to the point of death. I believe this is a, a, a picture of modern day sinners. Sin is a disease that slowly rots the life out of people to the point of death. And Jesus was showing his disciples that he is the answer to cure every problem in mankind. And not only could he cure sickness, but he could change the course of people's eternal destination. And so Jesus does three things right here. First, he stretched out. In verse 41, the Bible says he stretched out his hand. The word stretched means to reach out. In order for us to possess the same compassion Jesus did... We must be willing to stretch beyond our current comfort zone. We must be willing to reach out to the community. Can I get an amen? amen. Secondly, he touched. Jesus stretched out to the leper in order to touch him. And as he did this, his disciples must have been in absolute shock. <gasps> Jesus, you just touched a leper. You just touched a dirty man. Jesus, shame on you. Nobody touched lepers. Leprosy, Jesus, is contagious. Somebody please pass the Savior of the world the hand sanitizer. Jesus wasn't afraid to touch him. Jesus touched him to meet his need. We must follow our Savior's example and touch the lives of sinners. If we never touch the lives of people, we will never truly know what it is to be moved with compassion. If we never touch the lives of people, we will never truly experience the fulfillment of watching a life transformed. And thirdly, he spoke. So he reached out, he touched, and he spoke. And after Jesus touched the leper, he spoke to him. Jesus loved this leper so much that he took the time to speak to him. In order to convey Jesus' love to others, we as a church must be willing to be the voice of Jesus and speak the word of God to people. Well, I pray for them. And I tell them all about our billboard. And I tell them that 
we have the best pastor in the whole world. I tell them that we have air conditioning and we have coffee in the morning. But I don't tell them about Jesus because that may freak them out. We as a church got to tell people about Jesus. How else will they know unless we tell them? Jesus is compassion. Too often we sit around waiting for our emotions to motivate us to go and reach people. And when that doesn't happen, we come to the conclusion that God must not be calling us to reach people because we don't feel anything. Remember, we're all into feeling. And as a result, we do nothing. I discovered an amazing, an amazing word found only in the Greek. It's only in the Greek translation for this type of mindset. So note taker, write this down. You'll find it only in the Greek. It's, it's spelled B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Baloney. <laughs> Loving the world requires knowing Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, you will love the world. I challenge you with this thought. Just start. As you start reaching out and touching the lives of people and speaking to them, the feelings will come. This is considered a living a life of faith, not a, not a life based on feelings. I've come to let somebody know today, you need to get to know Jesus. You need to experience Jesus because when you experience Jesus, you realize that this world is no longer about what it can do for you, but what you can do for the world. And Peter and John got a hold of that. That's why they were able to look at the beggar and say, I don't have silver and I don't have any gold, but what I have to you, I give to you. I wish I could find somebody who's ready to show the world who Jesus is and invite them to experience his love and hope. You may not have all the money in the world, but you've got Jesus. You may not have all the answers in the world, but you've got Jesus. And you may not have all the right words to say, but you've got Jesus. Somebody shout, it's Jesus. This world needs Jesus because he is the alpha and he is the beginning. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon, the bright and the morning star. He is the lion of Judah and he is their deliverer. He is their healer. He is their counselor. He is their pastor and he is their friend. He is everything this world will ever need. And I've come to let you know today that God has called you to be the extended hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Give them Jesus. Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, share the love. <laughs> Loving the world requires motivation. Loving the world requires knowing Jesus. And lastly today, loving the world brings People to Jesus. Loving the world brings people to Jesus. In verses 9 through 12, it says, All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. And while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people. This amazing event set the stage for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your heavenly Father. Church, our good works are to magnify God's grace and his power. This is the supreme calling of life. Glorifying God. Everything we do is to cause others to give praise to the God who is the source of all that is good. The way we live should lead those around us to glorify the Heavenly Father. Does your life, you need to write this question down because I want you to ask yourself every day, this is important, does your life cause others to want to know Jesus or cause them to despise Him? Does your life cause others to want to know Jesus or cause them to despise him? Because our good works, our reaching out, will bring people to Jesus. And at the Avenue Church, we exist to reach out. And we exist to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ. If we aren't reaching out, then we aren't a church. We have been, we are, and we will always be a church that is lost hungry and outreach driven we will never be a church now hear me today we will never be a church that becomes inward focused if you're looking for a church that will have 247 ministries that will cater to every preference we're not it if you're looking for a church that will provide food for the ladies basket weaving ministry for their imaginary boyfriends ministry we are not it we, we are not here to create a church buffet. We are here to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you don't understand. The worship today did nothing for me. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't realize we was worshiping you. Well, your, your message today didn't feed my soul. And Well, I need somebody at church to recognize me, recognize my looks, and recognize my egotistical abilities. I didn't like the colors in the sanctuary. That's just not my style. And I don't like change. And Well, that's not the way we used to do it. And I don't. And there's not. And what's in it for me? And I don't like this. Well, excuse me, honey. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. We are going to keep the main thing the main thing and that's winning people to Jesus Christ and we will do whatever it takes to reach them it's going to get hard it's going to be dirty it's going to cost us something it's going to cost us time it'll cost us energy but we're here to plunder the gates of hell to populate heaven so get ready Avenue family prepare yourself we're going to give away more we're going to love more we're going to welcome more we're going to invite more we're going to win more we're going to have more we're going to do more we're going to be more we're going to reach more and we're going to expect more because with god all things are possible amen we're about to usher in an awakening in East Tennessee. We're raising up a church that goes big. We're raising up a church that believes big. And we're raising up a church that thinks big. 
well, why in the world are you so excited and passionate today, Pastor Justin? Well, thank you so much for asking me because we exist to make God famous. We have the opportunity to share the love and hope of Jesus, and that will bring people to him. I'm pleading with God. We desire to see thousands of people come to the salvation of Jesus Christ. The reason we share the love is so people will come to Jesus. It's about to get real. It's about to get wild. And every minute of it is going to be awesome. I wish I could find somebody in this place today that's willing to count the cost and do whatever it takes to win people to Jesus. Amen. You know what? Forget about slapping your neighbor a high five. Somebody slap me a high five today and somebody tell me they're ready. Danny, come on, buddy. Is anybody ready today? Come on. You ready today? I like some high fives around here. Yes, slap hands. Woo! Woo! Amen. Y'all stand up on your feet with me today. I love the Lord so much. Has God been good to you? If God's been good to you, then think of all that he wants to do for other people. We don't need to be greedy with Jesus. There's enough to go around. Share the love. We can do this. Look where God has brought us since January 2013. A year and three months. How many is here today? Do you know yet? One, almost 150 people. Amen. How many kids we have back there today? 30 kids back there. That, that is so awesome. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And I thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us here today. God, you look down on us. You see us as beautiful creations that you have uniquely and wonderfully made. And you have created every single one of us with a purpose. And we thank you for that, God. And Father, I thank you for every lost soul that is in this region because that's another opportunity that we have to share the love and hope of Jesus with them. And Lord, I pray that you would do a miraculous work in people's lives this week. God, I'm asking for doors to be opened and opportunities to come that we have to share the love of Jesus. And God, let us not just hear this message today and turn a deaf ear. Because God, we will be held accountable from this day forward with what we do with this word. Every time that we turn a cold shoulder and every time we miss another opportunity to invite somebody, and every time that we miss an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, we will be held accountable for it. So God, help us. Let us be motivated to do our part. Thank you, God. God, I'm asking that this time next week that these altars will be filled with people 
given their life to your son, Jesus Christ. Father, that's what I'm asking. Please, God, help us to win the lost. Help us, Father. We can't do this without you. Thank you, Jesus.